It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. There are days when you're just not feeling it. Days where you feel like you've lost your mojo. If you're looking to get it back, then you've tuned to the right station. Welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. I got my mojo working, but it just won't work on you. Hey everybody and welcome to this week's edition of the Mojo Radio Show. Nice to have you on board the bus, the red bus, the big red bus we call the Mojo Radio Show. We are counting down to a massive Rocktober that starts on the first Monday of Rocktober. Lots of great interviews, lots of good fun, lots of great pieces and some great rock to set us up for the whole month. And Rob and I have been working very hard on Rocktober. We started, we have got a cracking guest to start us in Rocktober, being Tate Fletcher, UFC fighter, cage fighter. He's the CEO of Caveman Coffee Company, a brilliant coffee company. He's got his own microbrew. This guy is a stuntman in Hollywood. He, my friend, is going to rock the house for Rocktober to get us started. Speaking of rocking the house, the man who rocked the panel to drive the big red bus we call the Mojo Radio Show. Robbo, how's it going, mate? Very well, thank you. Recovering from a big weekend, but then again, that's what they're for, right? Bit of time with the boys at the pub? Bit of time with the boys at the pub, the Saturday afternoon ritual, yep. Catch up for a schooner or two, always nice. Actually, we're going to do something about that. We're going to do something around the pub because there is some very interesting research done now on happiness. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) What, that ties it back to the pub? Funny that. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's always happy at the pub. No, there is. There actually is some interesting metadata that's coming out about happiness and how that does tie back to the pub. Mm. So uh, you and I will set that up. It'll be a show to come in the future. But um, there is there is actually some interesting science behind that, apart, yeah. from, apart from beer and bundies. We've talked about this before the show. I mean, for me, it's it's my me time. You know, I mm. work from home. For me, it's my couple hours out of, the di- out of the house and, you know, it's in the diary every Saturday afternoon. Me and the mates catch up for a... A beer whenever we can, which is most weekends. Hmm. Gary's Google Mojo. Now, just a a quick note before we start the show. Mm. I have been thinking this for quite a while, walking around the streets of the major cities of the world. Being you jet set you Sydney and Brisbane. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Have you noticed? Everyone walks around, no one looks up, everybody's got their face down in a screen. Yeah. Well, I found a story called Why Text Neck is Wrecking Your Spine and How to Fix It. And simply by walking around, because we walk around the whole time and our heads are down looking at our smartphones or our iPads, it just means your spine now has to hold up an extra, well, the story said 40 pounds, which is wow. sort of 20-odd kilos, on top of the weight it already had to hold up, like which you've already got five, six kilos to hold up with your normal head. <laughs> but because you're walking with your head down, even just elevated forward by a couple of you know, centimetres, you're mm. putting extra um, 20-odd kilos of weight into wow. your neck, and it's wow. now showing up, and it's very interesting. This has become a thing. And they talk about, the story talks about, you know, what can you do about it? It's about getting acupuncture and getting massage and doing all that sort of stuff. But the other thing that I found, which is something we have mentioned on the show before, their suggestion is to get a standing workstation. Right. So by elevating your computer screen to eye level and getting extra keyboards that you're, you're up mm. and you're raising your head up, that minimizes the stress on your neck and shoulders mm. from being seated looking down, but also... Then if you are up and about and going to lunch and checking your phone, you're not doing it all day long. You're only doing it for a small part. So this standing workstation thing, I think, is going to become more and more prevalent now Mm. as some of the retailers are jumping on board now. And I think there's a lot of science behind how it helps in terms of 
fat burning and exercise and your metabolism. Mm. But I do believe this text neck thing that's going on is going to become more and more prevalent. Yeah. It started a long time ago, I remember, in radio um, was the first place I ever came across it. And more and more program directors were insisting that their talents stand in the studio. And these days, it's pretty hard to find a radio station that you walk into that doesn't have standing benches in the on-air studios. More and more, it's becoming prevalent, though, isn't it? I remember Merrick from Nova back in the day when mm. they were a powerhouse radio station, he uh, he always stood in the studio and yeah. he always felt as though, I mean, coming through the speakers, it always felt like there was more energy and more vitality. Mm. Not the guy needed much help in order to bring the energy <laughs> and vitality. To, but uh, yeah, you're quite right. See, these things happen, but it takes 10 years for them to collect data for mm. it to become a something. And we're sort of getting to that point now with technology where it's starting to become prevalent. So I just mm. think it's interesting to, to think about it. Everything's got a name. It's called Text Neck. I'll put the story in the show notes for anybody mm. who's interested in having a look at it. But it may just be worthwhile considering and doing an audit on your own day to how much time is your neck bent forward looking down at a screen. So there you And go. for those people out there walking around looking down at their phone, can I say please don't? I almost ran over... A probably 30-year-old woman on the weekend, she just stepped out in front of me because she had her head down buried in the phone. And I thought, I've got to live with that, love. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm the one that's got to live with it if I run you over. Be a bit fair. And the numbers of people who are ending up in emergency Mm. and they say, what happened? And the prevalence of people walking into poles, yeah. the cars, yeah. walking into danger because they're simply not looking yeah. is overwhelming. That's my pet peeve for the week. Coming soon to the Mojo Radio Show. Dude, takes me back. (laughs) I've got such a vibe about this Rocktober thing. It's something that we haven't done, obviously, for a long time. I mean, what was it, 92, I think, the last time we did it at Triple M. I'm getting excited, really excited, if you can't tell from that. No, and I think this is, uh, we've we've had a crack at doing Rocktober last year, Mm. Um, but I think now the show is almost 100 deep in episodes. And I think uh, we're endeavouring to get our act together. Um, I think this year's show will be an absolute cracker. And mm. uh, the only thing, you know, we've said it before, we, we don't have sponsors, sadly. We don't have any advertising, sadly. Hello to our friends at Tim Tams and Corona. Um, Please. <laughs> just, just send us samples, throw us a bone. Um, we, uh, we did the whole thing for free. Mm. And it's only because our mission together is just to help people be better, just get their mojo working in and out of work, have an impact on you, the listener, your family, your friends. And the only thing that we ask is to help us is to share the link, share the share the love with somebody else. Just get somebody else into Rocktober with us. Mm. And if you want to get onto iTunes, get onto Ratings Review, leave us a one-liner. The good, the bad, and the ugly, we can take it. Let us know you're out there. Let us know you, you like or dislike or what we can do to make the show better. And uh, that gets our mojo working. That's a good way for us to spread the Rocktober love. Indeed, indeed. Who are we talking to this week? This week we have a doctor in the house. A doctor in the house. We, we're getting a few doctors now. We, we're getting a bit smart for ourselves here. We're sounding very intellectual <laughs> on this program, Darren. But then again, we're going to get a bit childlike. We're going to talk colours, right? We are. We are talking colours. And mm. that's where I first came across Dr. Diana Minnick when I heard an interview with Dr. Diana about colours and how that ties back to our health, how it ties back to our gut how it can help us to introduce the right foods to our children and what impact that's having on our bodies, our brains, our performance, our productivity. And I just thought that Dr. Diana Minnick really had a lot to offer. It's about time the show went back into the food realm again. Mm. And uh, thankfully, I contacted Dr. Diana, got in touch, found a spot in her diary, and she's agreed to join us today. So, Dr. Diana Minnick, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a great delight to have you on the program. Let's let's bring everybody up to speed. On a daily basis, what sort of work would you be doing and who would you likely be doing it for? Uh, well, you know, I've really 
evolved in this way in terms of changing from a one-on-one clinical practice, you know, working at a clinic where I was seeing patients into doing more online programs with hundreds and thousands of people. Mm. And the reason why is just because, you know, I really want so many messages about health and healing to be out there to the masses. And I felt like this was really my calling to to really be teaching and weaving in there a lot of different healing strategies. So what I do on my day-to-day uh, level is, is really no day is ever the same. I'm always doing a hodgepodge of different things, but they're all in the area of writing, teaching, healing, educating, and, and really bringing people up to speed on the, the specific areas within health and healing and nutrition. So you've, it's probably fair to say that your brand is built around the detox and your last book, The Whole Detox. Can you, I'm just intrigued by the title. What does The Whole Detox mean? Yeah, the title um, Whole Detox really refers to a comprehensive detoxification program. So for several years uh, working in a clinic and uh, doing my work with people one-on-one, I was doing nutritional detoxification programs, and that was quite satisfying, and and I did see results, but I also felt like there were some things missing from a nutritional protocol. I wasn't feeling like I was being as comprehensive as I probably could have, and I want to thank the people that I worked with because they're the ones that actually shone the light on what needed to be done. You know, I was finding that certain people, when they went through a 21-day detoxification program, had some pretty remarkable changes in not just their physical symptoms, but in terms of their emotions, how they were thinking, Mm. how they were living. And for some of them, it even brought to head some spiritual crises. So then I thought, well, why wouldn't I create a detox program that could accommodate all the aspects of ourselves, because, you know, we're mm. more than just our physical body. And, and why wouldn't I take into account the changes and emotions that can happen with the change of a diet? You know, the, the science on food and mood is pretty well established. And, and why wouldn't I take into account the connection between the mind and the body? Because really and truly what the science of mind-body medicine would say is that the mind and body are one. And, and when I look at the research on spiritual health and what spirituality means, I define that in terms of having a sense of meaning and purpose in life. And that's one of the factors of longevity established by the research of Dan Buettner in his book, The Blue Zones. So, you know, I I decided I want to create a whole comprehensive program. You know, initially I was thinking about calling this book full spectrum detox because we are truly a spectrum. We have the many colors of our lives. We have the many colors of us as people. We have the many colors of food. And and so I really have taken that concept of color and brought that into the book. And, And so it has it in its entirety. In fact, I was just being interviewed today by somebody else and she said, Deanna, I think it's so interesting that you've essentially gamified <laughs> detox. You have made, <laughs> she's like, you've made detox like a color-coded game. Like, okay, can I go and find all the red foods today? And what about the orange foods? And so she's like, you know, people just get so engaged with that element. And she had actually gone through the program herself. So she was giving me her experience of the program. So that's where the the whole idea of the whole detox comes from. So- If I start right from scratch, I meet executives. They say, I'm getting through my day. I'm getting my work done. I'm not that much overweight. I do a little bit of exercise. I'm doing okay. But chances are that your research and what general research is telling us that a lot of people have a toxic system and don't know it. How does someone know that although they're getting by, how would they know that they are toxic and need to think about the whole detox? First and foremost, everybody is toxic. There's just no person on this planet who isn't toxic. So first I have to define for you what I mean by toxic. A toxin in my mind, and I wrote about this in Whole Detox, is really anything that stands in the way of your health. So that could be a food. It might be an environmental chemical. It could be a limiting thought. It could be a toxic emotion. It could be a bad codependent relationship. 
It could be a lackluster job. So there are so many different things that are really toxic. And so there's always something for us to work on. Even the the most famous of all the health gurus, there's still something for them to work on, even though that they've been working on their health and, you know, have tried different. In fact, I almost think that the more you know about your health, the deeper you go. And it's a never ending journey. I think that this is how we learn in life. We we learn our lessons and enrich ourselves by the things that we have happening to us as individuals. So really and truly, um, you know, I, I do think it's so important to really hit on all of those facets of our nature. And in- with lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And this is not something that is unique to what I'm putting out there. I mean, I have really taken from ancient traditions. You know, being a scientist, I'm always looking for what are the common threads. And then I look into the science. I look into the ancient healing traditions. I look at what has been done before. And I try to find, well, what are the similarities? What is everybody talking about? And and what is common here? And what I'm finding to be really common in the 21st century is that we're having a convergence of ancient traditions like Ayurvedic medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, the different forms of looking at elements in nature and elements in the body, and then looking at functional medicine, genomic medicine, nutrigenomic medicine, and seeing that there is this element of personalization and integration that are really emerging. So I think we're on the forefront of tying together the ancient and the modern and Mm. seeing the commonalities rather than the differences. So if we just go back a step, you talked about the colour in our foods. What's the science behind those colours? Why should a a colour palette be part of our plate? Well, I love that question. And, you know, that's if I'm ever caught on an airplane and sitting next to somebody and they start asking me what I do, which always happens, (laughs) especially... You know, you mentioned nutrition and, and of course, people have a million questions. And really what I want them to take away after I'm done talking with them is just aim for the rainbow. It's such a simple concept and children get it. Adults get it. And essentially, if we look at the research around these colorful compounds that are in food, these are called phytonutrients. We know that there are thousands and thousands of these compounds in plant foods. So they they could be everything from carotenoids to alkaloids to polyphenols. You know, we don't have to remember all the names of them, but we just have to know that there's more than meets the eye. And our eye can tell us a lot. It can tell us a lot about the color. And then that connects into those different compounds. And then those compounds are helping our body. You know, I think it's so interesting that in nutrition, so many people have been focused on protein, fat, and carbohydrate. You know, it's it's like dizzying. It's the same stuff playing over and over again. And nobody is focusing on the finer details of nutrients, especially these phytonutrients, and all of the things that they're doing within our bodies, because there are thousands of them, whereas there are just big buckets of the protein, carbohydrate, and fat, and they're important pieces too, but it's not a complete picture. So that's where the color comes in in terms of diet. It's funny, Deanna, when I was uh, briefing Robbo on today's uh, interview, we talked about colour and how it is important to have colour on the plate. So he, when I came back in the studio after getting a cup of coffee, he had organised his M&Ms onto a plate <laughs> and he had a red, a green, he had the whole palette, he had the whole rainbow of M&Ms on his plate. And I said, wait, it's, it's, it's not exactly what I'm talking about here. <laughs> Could but you- I was on the right track though, right? <laughs> Look, you're trying hard, mate. I got to say, I'm not going to knock you. Just not going to not going to knock the effort. Deanne, is it okay if brown stands for Oreo? <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, take us through some of the colours. So let's, you know, start with the reds and yellows in food. How is that relating back to us? We've got our palette and our plate. We've got the colors. If I look at that, what's it doing for me? Yeah, all those colors represent certain nutrients. So they're unique and they're unique to that food. And they're complexed in such a way that the the complex is unique in terms of the absorption 
and maybe even the efficacy of eating that food. So for example, for several years, especially when I was in school in the early 1990s, there was a lot of discussion about these plant compounds being antioxidants, and that's how they work. All these colorful compounds are important because they're antioxidants. But what we have seen in the research, especially in the past decade, I would say, is that we're learning that these different colors code to certain parts of the body. And I talk about that in Whole Detox. So in every chapter, it's it's a color. So one of the chapters is just based on red. The second chapter is based on orange. And what I do is I review the physiological aspects of those colors, as well as the psychological aspects. And one of the fun things that I like to do with an audience is I ask them, you know, what is your favorite color? What is the color you find like you cannot get away from? And what is the color that you feel like you have too little of in your life? You know, maybe it's not in your house. It's not in your wardrobe. It's not on your plate. You know, I pay attention to all of those things because I think that yeah, the color and the, the, the psychology and the science of color is pretty vast. You know, it, it's it's really spread throughout a wide variety of different disciplines, but nobody has taken it narrow and deep in any one of those areas. Mm. So I tried to bring it together and, and create this tapestry for each of the colors. Can we talk about purple and blue? Because I, I've heard you speak about the book and you specifically talk about purple and blue and the impact that can have on our general health. What, is, what does purple and blue do for us? How do we get it and how much should we have of it? Yeah. Well, um, it's really interesting because there was a study back in, I think it was 2009, where they surveyed about 1,500 people just to see what colors that they were eating. So they just looked at their diets and and analyzed colors, and they found that 88% of people did not meet their daily requirement for blue-purple. So in other words, you know, that's that's a lot of people that aren't getting Mm. their blue-purple every day. Um, You know, I I always ask audiences too, you know, what color are you missing in your diet? And most people Mm. say, oh, green or red or not many people really. Yeah, they they don't think of blue-purple as one of the first Mm. and foremost or how important it is. But in the system of health that I use within Whole Detox, I talk about the research on blue-purple compounds in foods. A lot of these blue-purple compounds, especially the proanthocyanidins, the different blueberry compounds, if we look at the berries in general, a lot of these intensely um, or just pungent berries that are high in a lot of these um, very specific phytonutrients, they're really good for the brain. So there's this connection to what I call the system of insight, which is essentially the the brain and um, uh, in, in the neurons, you know, our, our mental activity. And what we see in some of the research is that the consumption of these compounds from blue-purple foods seem to correlate with things like cognition and memory and learning. And, you know, a lot of that has been done in animals. So, you know, translating them because, you know, of course, they look at the brain matter and they find that uh, much of these compounds, many of them make their way into these parts of the brain that are responsible for those executive functions. So, you know, I think about this on a large scale. I was just talking with my dad. I was taking him to the airport this morning and we were talking about the rising rates of dementia. And I was asking him, you know, um, you know, just about his peer group and, and the people in his life that are, are having more and more mild cognitive impairment. And he he mentioned to me that he's never in his whole life, really, and he's uh, just about 70, he's never really seen the, the incidence of dementia as it is today. Yeah. And, and I think it's true. You know, we're living in the age of the brain uh, and that means mental illness, that means behavior, that means mood issues, that means cognitive issues. And I'm not saying that blue-purple compounds in our food are going to solve everything, um, but maybe they're a piece of it. You know, maybe it's just another marker of getting anti-inflammatory components from the food to help our brain to work better. See, Gary, when I sat down the other day with my bowl of boysenberry ice cream and you had a go at me, I told you you were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're still on the right track, big fella. Um, Deanna, it's an interesting point. Robbo and I read a story that I found, I think, on Mind Body Green a couple of weeks ago, and it was an article about frozen berries or veggies versus fresh. So if I go to the freezer, it's very easy for me to get 
yellow corn, uh, green from peas, uh, purple from berries, uh, even green from avocado now you can get frozen in Australia. Do you have a perspective based on your work of frozen versus fresh in order to get the phytonutrients that we're looking for here? Yeah, uh, it varies on the food. So basically there are some things that can be preserved when frozen. There are other things that are damaged or oxidized when frozen. Because keep in mind that when many mm. things are frozen, there's this process called blanching where there's this quick heat treatment and then uh, then they're put into the, the cold freezer element. Yep. So through that heat treatment or the blanching, there can be some damage. Blueberries, fortunately, seem to withstand that freezing uh, process and can have a lot of their nutrients preserved. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. And let me just say in general, if freezing your foods and keeping them longer term through the freezer is the only way for you to get color, I'd rather you do that than not yeah, eat them at all. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think sometimes we set this high benchmark like do it right or don't do it at all, which is kind of something I grew up with. And I kind of had to unlearn some of the things that I had in my mind about food. It's kind of like, okay, I'm going to do my best. So if frozen blueberries are the best thing I can do today, and actually it's really funny that you even mentioned blueberries because we, uh, I live in the Pacific Northwest of the States and we have some blueberry bushes. So I can actually go out this oh, wow. time of year and go pick some fresh ones. So mm -hmm. it's kind of nice, you know, just get variety. When you yeah. can get fresh, get fresh. When you have frozen, get frozen. I think that the biggest thing is just to shake it up you know, and just do what you can when you can. You had a, a quite interesting relationship with food when you were young, didn't you? I mean, how, how has that shaped your thinking on the work you do today? Like looking back to your childhood growing up, the influences of people around you, how has it shaped you? Oh, you really have heard me speak before because I, I am usually asked about my story. And no, it's, he's just um, a stalker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of topsy-turvy because usually people come at their stories from saying like, oh, you know, I was sick, I was dying, I was doing really poorly and I, I started eating differently and, you know, I got better. You know, in my story... My mom, when I was really young, I was eight or nine years old, my mom had a personal transformation in the way of her food and faith. So in, in part of that came from the fact that she got she was pregnant with my brother. And I think that when women are pregnant, there's a lot that goes on, right? You know, they start making different choices because it's not just about them anymore. It's about this baby and, you know, really becoming more conscious. And my mom was really pioneering. You know, I look back now and say, wow, you know, she was really amazing mm. in terms of what she knew. But at the time, uh, you know, I grew up Catholic. My dad was a police officer, super strict, no laughing at the dinner table. Um, my mom was, she became a health nut. You know, at the time you were called a health nut, not a health guru, you were a health nut. So, you know, you're... <laughs> I'd have to go to school with brown bread sandwiches and peanut butter and banana. I know that in Australia, you guys don't do peanut butter and jelly really like this. But <laughs> yeah. No, we do Vegemite instead. You do Vegemite, which is <laughs> disgusting. Okay, that is so disgusting. Well, come on, let's be honest. Peanut butter and jelly, really. I mean, <laughs> really? what's not so disgusting about that? Yeah, I think it's equally disgusting. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, you know, I, from a very young age, I was into this um, health thing that I really wasn't wanting to be a part of. And it led to a lot of um, emotional eating, binging, or in just a scarred relationship with food and eating, I would say, especially in my teens, you know, I would have these moments of just kind of, um, you know, especially sugar. Sugar became my new best friend. And it was like I had to sneak, I, I had to eat in secret uh, because I couldn't have a lot of these foods, you know, they were forbidden. And when you're a teenager and you're told that something is forbidden, it's even worse. You know, it's mm. it's even worse than when you're an adult. So I actually developed um, some health issues, I think, primarily because my relationship with eating got really off track. I had a lot of gut issues. I had incredible um, issues with my reproductive organs. So I had endometriosis. Later in life, I developed a blocked ovary. So I was um, essentially infertile and had all kinds of problems there. And I wish I knew what I knew now then, because, you know, at the time you, you're not seeing out of your situation, you know, it's just emotional and, 
you know, you, you don't really see that there's a, a fix here. And so I kind of did the thing where I had skin problems. And so I took Accutane, uh, which is probably one of the worst things, um, you know, I think for myself in terms of my liver and all the other issues that that created. But anyway, I did those things. I took a lot of antibiotics when I was a teen. And, and so, you know, I, I feel like I don't have any regret and I love my parents. They were just visiting me. In fact, I'm really glad that I had the experience I did because it's almost like I went through that and I learned. And then I tell my mom and dad, I'm like, it's because of you guys that I'm doing what I'm doing. I mean, if I would have never had this experience, I don't know if I would be doing this. So I really feel like I'm on a mission now. I'll throw my recent food experience out there and see if if you've got some suggestions. I have Crohn's and the biggest discovery that I've made in the last 18 months, pretty much through Gary and this show is smoothies for breakfast like super Mm -hmm. smoothies. Um, Talking about colours, okay, my smoothie usually has kale, apple, a bit of banana, chia seeds, coconut oil, all the usual stuff you'll find in a a super smoothie. Am I getting the full, and blueberries and all that sort of stuff, am I getting the full gamut there or is there stuff I'm missing out on? So here's my guiding rule on all things uh, beyond even smoothies. I really do think that you should change up your smoothies. In fact, I just did a rainbow smoothie challenge in my whole detox group. Um, And I wanted to... It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli. I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. See everybody's version of the rainbow smoothie, because not everyone has the same foods. And, you know, you try different things on different days. I love the idea of what you put in there. You know, Mm -hmm. that all sounded really great. And then I would say, you know, the next day, try up different things and don't get too heady about it either. You know, I think some people get so wedded to recipes and this keeps them in kind of analysis paralysis and this really, you know, linear approach with eating. So yeah, I, I like your smoothie idea. And I think, you know, if I look at my dad, who's a total, um, opposite to my mom, he's kind of a junk food guy. One of the things that helped him with whole detox was he started doing smoothies and he's Mm. like, gee, everybody can do a green smoothie. You know, this is something that was doable. It was Mm. quick. It was convenient for him. He liked the green smoothies, but I like what you have in yours because it's much more um, vast in terms of the different ingredients. So good on you. Well, the nice thing (laughs) is my three-year-old daughter um, is following the tradition. She has her berry and ice cream smoothies now for breakfast. So she's halfway there. Ah, what is with the ice cream? That's so interesting. Oh, you know, three years (laughs) old, you can probably get away with a little bit, right? (laughs) Can we just camp out there for a second, Diana? just based on kids? Yeah. What's the sort of language that we should eliminate from our own vocabularies about the whole detox when we're around kids? Like you just talked about, you know, don't smile at the dinner table. And we've all got those things we heard as kids growing up. But in today's day and age, what vocab do we need to be very mindful of? Talk about color. This is the thing that has worked um, for me personally in working with kids. And what I see with people going through whole detox is the unifying principle. I'm always looking for unifying principles because we have so much division and criticism and judgment when it comes to eating. It's like, okay, what's unifying here? We all have to eat. So how do we find like the common thread? And I think that something fun that is common to all of us and unique is our connection into the colors of food. You know, most people can see colors. Um, and, and so kids really connect to it. I mean, I'm even thinking of my two and a half year old niece. I had this whole thing, you know, we talk in our family about these rainbow smoothies, seriously, because my mom with me, and again, I'm not saying it's wrong, but what happened with that was, you know, I'm reading food labels at the age of nine and I'm talking about mono and diglycerides and I'm analyzing foods. And it's a very, I would say a masculine thing. You know, I'm not really connecting into the feminine, creative, artistic 
side of food. Food became really drudgery for me. It became fearful. It became something like I didn't want to go to the dinner table and eat. And the last thing you want to do with kids is create fear around food and their bodies. You know, you definitely don't want to be commenting on how much they're eating. And and what I have found is I never have people follow a calorie approach anymore. Never, 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 never. All I say is eating whole, colorful, plant-based foods. And I'm not really wedded to, you know, if people eat meat or not. I mean, I'm just really not into assigning dietary labels to anybody. I really do think that we're so full spectrum in who we are and that every moment of the day, we're changing. It's really impossible to kind of just stuff ourselves in a box and say, I'm eating like this forever. You know, so I think with kids, here's another insight besides the color that I think is really, this came from a a good friend of mine who's a medical doctor who has two girls, 11 and 14. And one of the things that she did with them growing up was she would never really preach to them on how to eat. The only thing that she did was she would ask them uh, how their bodies felt when they ate certain things. So for example, like the girls would go to a party, a birthday party, they come home and then one of them starts complaining that she has a belly ache. And then she would ask her, you know, well, why do you think your, your belly is hurting? Do you think it may have had something to do with the ice cream that she had at that party? And so when you put it together for kids, kind of like cause and effect, like, oh, wow, that food I just ate actually gave me pimples or that gave me bloating or that gave me diarrhea. I think, you know, what you really want to do is cultivate that body food relationship and how they're into Because then as adults, there's so much further along. That's gold, Gary. Rob, I think kids and food talk about color and unifying principles. I think that is gold. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful, colorful shade of gold too. It's a very effervescent <laughs> gold, I, I must say. Can yes. it be rainbow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, we struck a rainbow. We've got the um, corn on the plate. <laughs> you just talked about how foods can show up and how does it make you feel. You said earlier in the interview that when you were growing up, you had skin issues and now you have beautiful skin. Is the skin really a reflection of what's happening in our gut? I think it is. I remember taking an embryology class as an undergrad when I was studying biology. And if you look at even how the embryo forms, you know, basically you see these layers, ectoderm, mesoderm, and uh, endoderm. So there are different layers of how we develop. And the skin and the gut really develop from that same layer. And I have noticed just, you know, aside from biology, just even personally and working with people for years, that so much about their health is reflected on their bodies. You know, so when people get stressed, you know, they can get hives, they can get rashes, they can get flushed. They eat certain things. The same things can happen. And of course, this doesn't apply to everybody. You know, I was more in tune with it because I have really sensitive Irish skin and I've already had some incidences of um, precancerous lesions. So I'm really on it when it comes to skin just because I've had sun damage in the past and The people that have sensitive skin are really in tune with it as well. And so if they have caffeine or spices or, you know, I think of perimenopausal women going through the change of life where they're getting hot flushes, you know, this affects their skin, their skin quality. So, yeah, I do think that there's a connection between the skin and the gut. I I hear this time and whenever we work on the gut, um, we see improvements in the skin. It's part and parcel of the same thing. And, And I even think that if we go further into that topic, that there's a way to connect where things are on your body, on your whether it's on your face or on maybe the back of your arms or in your torso with what may more specifically be going on. Yeah. And, and that's recognized nice. in Chinese medicine and meridians and, you know, uh, lots of different traditions in that way. It's funny, you know, because when my Crohn's plays up, I get um, eczema on my elbows. When, uh, just ah, hearing you yes. talk about that made me, when you heard you say the back of the arms, I mean, that I make that connection every time. As soon as my elbows start going dry and I go, oh, Crohn's is going to play out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, the common thread there is inflammation, right? It's, yeah. it's really not any different. Your body is just manifesting it in two different places. Yeah. Deanna, Robbo is a, a big fan of um, the spices. Ah, that's Give us great. just a couple of your favorite spices that we could throw into our meals to help our gut, our toxicity. What would you suggest? What are your faves? If I was stranded on a desert island, I'd want turmeric with me. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) You know, it's one of the hottest things uh, in terms of people finding out about 
you know, the power of this spice, it's ancient, you know, you look at the Indian culture and, and what they have been consuming in the way of curries and how they had low rates of dementia and other inflammatory conditions. So definitely first and foremost, turmeric. Um, secondly, I would say cinnamon and, you know, I'm not like even a huge fan of cinnamon, but what I do know about cinnamon is that it's an insulin sensitizer. And with so many people with blood sugar issues, I just think it's a phenomenal way. And, and you know, it's really interesting because cinnamon is is often partnered with sweet things. So it's kind of like, well, that's a nice fit. You know, all that sugar, let's give you some insulin sensitization. So I like cinnamon. Um, the, the third one I like, I'm going to say oregano. Uh, I grow it in oh. my garden. It grows like a weed. It's really easy to grow. It's very pungent. It's very different than turmeric and cinnamon. So it has a different flavor profile. You would use it for more savory dishes. Great antiviral, antifungal. And I think that this whole thing with fungus and mold, um, mm. you know, really good to keep things like that at bay. And of course, the gut, you know, oregano essential oil is often used to remove a lot of different microorganisms. So these things are intense. You know, people pay good money for dietary supplements. And what I always say to them is, are you using the spices in your kitchen? Because yeah, that's like yeah. a little pharmacy and, and yeah. people aren't tapping in. And I think this is between us. I, I really do think that the Mediterranean diet, one of the reasons why it's so successful is because of their use of spices. Yeah, right. Do you reckon the benefits of, of turmeric are one of the biggest discoveries in terms of herbs and spices in the last century, let's say? I mean, the, the more we look into it, the more we find what it does, right? It's so true. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, it, we've, again, this is another case of looking at ancient traditions and how we've used these spices and now bringing them back under the lens of Western medicine and yeah. science. Yeah. So, yeah, I think so. I mean, there was just a something that came out maybe like last year talking about the 16 uses of turmeric and how it was like it had pharmaceutical like properties. A great book on this topic, and you guys should interview this researcher, is um, it's called Healing Spices. Uh, it's a book written by, I, I won't say his name correctly, I'm sure, but uh, he has an Indian last name, Agarwal. And he's a, a researcher. And what I like about this book called Healing Spices is that he looks at the medicinal use and then the um, the culinary use. And I really like that because I want to see them side by side. I, don't, I don't, don't want people to tell me how to use them per se because I kind of have an intuitive sense. I want to know about the medicinal yeah. value. But yeah. for so many people where they want to see it both and kind of know, like, why would I cook with cinnamon? Well, here are the benefits. Mm. And he even goes through um, just even beauty strategies, like personal care product ideas. So I think it's a great book. I, I have never met him, but um, I, I do like that book in general. That's one of the ones I recommend for getting used to spices. But, you know, don't even read about it. Just get some spices and don't buy them in plastic mm -hmm. containers. Buy them in glass and start using them. Start experimenting. Gary, you've got your homework. We've got to get him on. Yeah, well, we, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> the cinnamon's a, a fascinating one. We've got a, a guy coming up as part of our Rocktober series of interviews, Diana, and he is a guy called Tate Fletcher who's an actor stuntman, and he runs a company called Caveman Coffee, uh, which I don't know if you've come across over there in the States. And um, it's Hugh Jackman's favourite brew on set now, I'm led to believe. Um, but when Tate and Keith Jardine, his partner, make it, they make Caveman Coffee, they put in coconut cream, they put in MCT oil, and they put in cinnamon, and then they blend it to make it into a latte, and that basically is their breakfast, which gets them through until sort of early afternoon. So I, I really I thought the cinnamon was being put in there for taste, but maybe the guys are onto something. Maybe they're putting it in there for more than just taste, but also the health benefits. Yeah. What do they do for protein? Well, I don't know. I, I, and that's one of the questions I've got for you because you, you often say that the colour palette is – uh, terribly important. Then the other thing you talk about is having good proteins and you talk about good quality proteins. So on that, I'll ask him when we get him on the show, so I don't know. But the second <laughs> part is what what is a, in your mind, I've got my colourful palette in front of me. I've got my, what do you call them, bell peppers, my caps. I've got my reds and my greens out of the garden and I've got my yellows from corn. I've got, I've got all that set up. Now I'm going to put on a good quality protein. What do I put on the plate? Yeah. Well, there are so many choices of protein, right? And I'm not wedded to one of those in whole detox. What I mentioned is that protein is really important at every meal. And I'm not like just completely crazy about protein. I think some people have gone just 
so overboard on protein, but I do think that you need a little bit of protein with every meal. And the reason why in the detox framework is because your liver needs these amino acids, these these building blocks of proteins in order to shuttle things out of the body. You actually detox better when you have protein. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking all that caffeine in that coffee is going to rev up phase one detox, but then there's nothing to help it shuttle out of the body. And and that um, for that, we need, you know, certain protein and, and other components. So what is a good healthy protein? Um, you know, in whole detox, I have two tracks. One is omnivore, one is vegan. So if you're an omnivore, I, I talk about, you know, conscious um, meat. And so that means good, high quality meat. And usually the, the greater the amount of fat in the meat the, the more lipophilic toxins. That's just how it works because fats are a depot for toxins. And so it's not like you want to minimize fat. I'm not giving that message, but you definitely want to reduce animal fat is, is my premise. Um, there was also a study that was just done, and you might find this shocking, um, 76 samples of meat, and this was primarily in Europe, and we know that things are typically cleaner there, at least than in the States. And I'm probably, I'm not sure about Australia relative to Europe, but Essentially, they found that organic versus conventional meat was about equal in terms of toxic residues. Now, that doesn't mean I wouldn't get organic, but, you know, just note that meat in general can be a supply of, of toxins. And then vegans, of course, you know, everything, nuts, seeds, legumes, you know, whatever you like. Yeah, there's a whole show you could do on the whole um, meat industry and what people like the USDA or our Australian food standards approve and what they say and how marketers get around it. So I think we could, we could do a whole oh, show on that, that bit. Oh, you for any industry, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, just a couple of quick things before we let you go, Diana, because I know you've got a busy day in front of you. Um, I'm curious on, we hear about our systems being acidic, we hear about having a more alkaline diet. And I think we hear so much, it's quite confusing. What's the right balance? So I've got my color palette, I'm eating quality proteins. Where should that leave me in terms of this alkaline acid? With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Situation, like what's the balance that's for perfect health to have a system that's not yeah. toxic? Well, you know, I think you need both. I think you do need acid and I think you need alkaline. The problem is, is that most of us eat highly acidic diets. Mm. And if you look at, you know, what is acid, it's, um, you know, a lot of meat products, a lot of refined oils, um, a lot of dairy products, you know, these are all high in certain amino acids that just have certain acidic effects on the body. You know, we need a certain amount of protein, but we also don't want to go overboard. And that's what um, amino acids are, is they're just adding to that, is as are fatty acids. And so the alkaline portion of that is the, the green leafy vegetables and a lot of the other vegetables and some fruits. And the idea here is, you know, I don't think it's so important for people to get fixated on pH kind of like they would with their body weight, because I think we, we just don't know enough here. I think it's in general good to have a good balanced diet of all these different types of foods, but we actually need an acidic pH in certain parts of the body too. And there are certain acidic fruits that may lead to the excretion of certain metabolites from detox. So I just think a good healthy balance, I just think that we're too far on the side of the acid. We just need to pull ourselves back. It's kind of like you know, just with fats, we're too far on the side of omega-6. It's not that they're bad. We actually need those fats, but we just, we've overdone it and we just have to pull ourselves back. Now, we are going to let you go. Uh, somebody has heard this show. They want to get on board the whole detox. They're an executive. They're a mum leading a very busy life at home. They're a guy who's working on the road as a salesman who goes, yep, I'm into this. And they want to finish this podcast and do some one thing immediately 
to go down the journey of the whole detox. What's what's the most important thing you would say as a piece of advice to action right away to get on the right track? So within the whole detox program, I actually do this online and it's made for people that are super busy. So um, I've had a lot of working moms in the program who could barely get like a sliver of time every day for themselves. So one of the things I've noticed in working with patients is the importance of the locus of control. So you're talking about an entrepreneur or CEO type who's really busy, always on the go. Um, what they need is the same thing. They need locus of control. What can they actually do and feel successful at it? So for every day of the whole detox program, which is 21 days, they can choose one out of the seven things. They don't have to do them all. And some of the things are quite quick to do, you know, I mean, I have married together nutrition with mind-body medicine techniques. So, you know, on one guy, on one day that the, somebody can do, um, you know, like a quick movement or physical activity of some sort, and I have different ones in there. Uh, on another day, they could do an affirmation. On another day, they could do just a quick check on their emotions through the emotion log, which is just a checklist. Another day, they can kind of look at their thought patterns. On another day, they can have more colors in their food. On another day, they can do a quick five-minute meditation. All of it counts. It's not like one piece of this is more important. That gets us back to the name which is the whole, right? Anything we do, it's rippling into the whole. So it's made for busy. I mean, I'm, I'm super busy and it's, I know what it's like. And that's why I was able to design it with that in mind. Where should we send people to find out more about your work, your book? Where, where's, uh, where's the best spot to send people? I have two websites. Um, whole Detox is one. It's whole, W-H-O-L-E, hyphen detox.com. And then my other one, my more general one for all the things that I'm doing and all my travels is deannaminick.com. I'm also on Facebook. I've been doing a lot of these Facebook live videos lately. All right. Yeah, it's been fun. I, I love those things. Um, so that's Deanna Minnick PhD. And that's how you can find me on Facebook. And uh, we're actually doing a whole detox program starting October 1st, and it goes until October 28th. And so everybody's welcome. Would be great to have you. And, uh, you know, just to, to kind of have the experience with all of us. Robbo, do you want to hit Dr. Diana with the, uh, the big question of the day? No big question this week. New segment. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Nifty 90. Robbo has a new segment. It's called Robbo's Nifty 90. Uh-oh. And Deanna, I'm going to give you 90 <laughs> seconds. I've got a bunch of questions here. Right on. So as rapid fire as you can, let's see how many we can get through. Yeah? Bring it on. Let's do it. All right, here we go. 90 seconds. The last book you read? <laughs> Anamkara by John O'Donohue. Favorite outdoor activity? Rollerblading. What was your last naughty snack? Uh, yerba mate with cranberry juice. That's not that naughty. <laughs> it wow. has sugar. It has sugar. And I just had Girl, one you earlier. Are wild. Oh, you're, you're just way out there. You're crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> okay, finish this sentence. I never get tired of. Color. <laughs> you could have, you could have a plane ticket to anywhere in the world. Where would it be? Australia. Hey, there you go. There nice you go. work. <laughs> Your all-time favourite TV show. Oh, I don't watch TV. All right. What was the last movie you watched more than 10 times? Braveheart. Braveheart. Bit of a, oh, oh, that's another nice. Australian flavour in there. Bit of Mel Gibson. <laughs> Mel. Uh, well, it's just the story. And I love the Scottish vibe too, I must yeah, say. I like the accents too. What's the song that always gets stuck in your head? <laughs> um... Oh, gosh, many. I was just listening to something from Tycho, the band Tycho, and it's more instrumental. So no words to that one. It just gets stuck in my head, though. And there you go. What a note to end on. That's your 90 seconds. Well done. Ah, that was fun. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. I have some good ideas occasionally. <laughs> Dr. Deanna Minnick, thank you for joining us. We so appreciate your time because we know you've got a lot on and uh, we'll put the links to all that stuff in the show notes when people are looking for you. But um, Deanna, thank you so much. It's been, it's been an absolute joy talking to you. Oh, this has been awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Getting your mojo working. This is the Mojo Radio Show. Speaking of colour, mm. would, would it be fair to say mm. that if you were having a beautiful day, your yes. day would be full of colour? How's that for a Sedgway? Oh, mate, I tell you what, you, you worked, you've been thinking about that all weekend, haven't you? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's about time I did some work, huh? 
<laughs> so I thought that Dr. Diana was fantastic and I love the whole premise of colour. And I must say that since we did the interview, has been changing the palette of my plate. Yes. And it does, I've got to say, it does work with kids. Having been to the school and gone through this, it really is playing a little competition and, and doing games with the kids to say what colours can we put on the plate. And mm. To tie back to that, I found a very colourful character, and I'll actually post this photo in the show notes. It's a photo of a guy called Brian Eno. Do you remember Brian Eno? Who could forget the great Brian Eno, record producer, mm. musician extraordinaire? Mm. And I've been a fan since I was in my early 20s, so I'm going back a long, long way when he was actually... <laughs> Ancient history. <laughs> yeah, classic, classic rock. Back when um, he was an artist in his own right, and yeah. now he is more so probably famous for his production work that oh, he's done with time. bands like U2. Yeah. He talked about his productivity and he talked about his writing and producing and how he innovates his sound because the bands do go to him for his innovation, his mm. different approach. And here's what he said. Most of us have been trained to seek patterns. If something goes right, the next time we'll try and do it the same way to replicate that success. Mm. We take notes of how we did it, remember the exact routine and practice it perfectly. But that doesn't challenge you to learn new things. Eno is widely credited for pushing the synthesizer to its limits. So basically, he has got a reputation for finding new and interesting sounds. And as you'll hear from some of the stuff with U2, that he has produced, he's produced whole albums for the band. They like him, and particularly Adam Clayton likes him, the bass player for U2, because he pushes the sounds. Here's the other lesson of rock that I love. Eno said, I've made a rule very early on, which I've kept to, which was that I would never write down any setting that he got on a synthesizer, no matter how fabulous a sound he got, he never wrote it down. The reason for that is that he knows himself well enough to know that if he writes down and keeps it and he had a fabulous stock of great sounds, he'd just keep going back to them. He said he wouldn't bother to find new ones. So it's just a way of trying to keep him and the instruments fresh. So I like that idea. I'd like to add a little caveat to that. I mean, I won't go into the technicalities, but I can save settings on things that I use in Pro Tools, my audio software. And if I find a good one, I save it as a setting, but I never use it as I left it. My rule is with that thing, if I found a setting that I like and works, I use that as a starting point for the next one. So, you know, it's interesting, Mm. isn't it? And I like his approach to it. Mm. And I think that typically businesses find success and replicate it. And some mm. of them can be replicating it for 10 or 15 years and they're not looking beyond the next wave. Mm. And they to look out the back where a guy like Eno, who's getting on in years, I mean, he, I was a fan of his when he was a you know, young fella playing mm. in the Elvis Costello era and he was a pioneer in new waves. I'm going back a long way now with Elvis Costello or just after the punk era. Yeah. But even today he is at the forefront of music and production only because he keeps recreating himself. And we've talked about we should be living our lives in beta where we're always experimenting and particularly in business, you know, no matter whether you're a sole operator or you're running a big business, don't be tempted to keep doing the same old, same old because it works because that today won't get you beyond the next wave of what's going to happen. So uh, mm. on that note, should we play out with a little bit of Eno producing for you 2 I think we should and uh, let's make sure everyone has a good day by playing Beautiful Day. So Beautiful Day, we're out. The heart is a bloom Shoots up through the stony ground There's no room Space to win in this town You're out of luck And the reason that you had to care The traffic is stuck And you're not moving anywhere You thought you found a friend To take you out of this place Someone you could lend a hand In return for grace It's a beautiful Yeah.
Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at the Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time.